Welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast, broadcasting to you live from EmoSocialClub.tv. I am Brian. And I'm Lizzie. This is the podcast about music, news, rad bands, festivals, concerts, how we miss them. <laughs> Mostly just how we miss them. Um, how we miss them. And we've gone to live streaming and yeah. trying to work within our capacity and more. <laughs> Uh, this episode is with our new friend, Rishi, from the band Eternal Boy out of Pittsburgh. Uh, really fun conversation. Really good talk. Um, they are uh, signed to Four Chord Music, uh, which is also the festival, Four Chord Music Festival. So we have a lot to talk about of uh, the festival, the band, their new release, uh, Bad Days Are Over which the positive vibe we all need in our life right now. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it's a really good talk, really good conversation. So let's get to that in a second here. But first, before we do that, have you liked, commented, and subscribed lately? Have you dropped one of those reviews that we keep asking you for? Uh, if you haven't, real fake energy. It's unbelievable. I need you to do it right now. You can multitask while you're listening to this podcast, us yelling at you to go, and leave a five-star review. Yes. Please go review. If you like this episode, please go to our socials and let us know. Uh, we would love it if you would follow us. That is how this podcast grows into a more beautiful, blossoming podcast. So please help us. <laughs> please help us. Uh, if you if you want the Emo Social Club booty shorts, you're going to yep. go do as we ask. There's only one way to make Thank them happen, you. and that's support your local Emo Social Club. Uh, Lizzie, what, what are you, what are, what have you got going on this week? What's up with you? What's up? Wow. It's, it's a lot, a lot of things. Heavy questions. So it's a lot. It's a heavy question on a Monday afternoon, <laughs> but we're just hanging TikTok at X, email social club X and on Twitter too. Keep, you know, sending it over to us. What do you, what do you want us to do? What's a trend you want us to do on TikTok? And then on Twitter, we're always looking for new music to just to listen to, to put into, you know, my DJ block on Friday since I'm not there. So you can have me there in <laughs> spirit and get some new music. And Brian's going to be like, what are these kids playing nowadays? So <laughs> you can do that. Hit us up over there. Um, but Brian, what are you doing? Are you good? Are you surviving? Wow. Okay. Let's, let's, you know, let's keep it above, you know, too dramatic. But no, anyway, everything's falling apart. No, uh, <laughs> I will be on the streams for our Friday pod, or Friday DJ set, not a podcast, our Friday DJ sets. Uh, we will be uh, jamming a record and jamming Lizzie's block and just hanging out, having a good old emo pop punk night. Uh, then we are back on Saturday with the both of us, uh, except I believe, hold on, let me check the calendar real quick. Take this out, take this out, take this out, take this out, take this out. Uh, we will not be on the Saturday, so let me take that whole section back. Um, I'll, I'll just start over from the top, so just cut in here. Uh, this Friday, we'll have our DJ set. Lizzie will unfortunately not be joining us, but we jamming a record, uh, playing some emo bops, 
definitely Lizzie's block, so you can feel like she's right there, right there with you. Um, but we will not be on this Saturday. We are taking the night off. So if you are looking for our DJ stream, we will unfortunately not be there. Uh, so please go check out another lovely streamer and talk to them and give them your commentary. Uh, that'll be good. Um, if you're listening to this today, the day it comes out, Monday, May 10th, I have now started streaming video games. And uh, if I say it here, that means I have to do it. Uh, so I'll be playing Metal Gear Solid on stream uh, starting at 6 p.m. Just, you know, 6 p.m. across the board feels like a really good time to start it. Uh, so you'll see me over on the emo social club.tv playing uh, Metal Gear Solid. And I got some YouTube videos and some ideas coming soon. And this is part of that content. Hashtag like, comment, subscribe. I don't know. Brian's going to use his Metal Gear Solid voice with his voice effects too. So if you're really into it, <laughs> and then you can have him do it, but in a Kermit voice. No. Oh my God. If you haven't been coming to our DJ streams, you're missing, you're out. missing out on a lot. You're, you're missing, missing out, out on a lot. You just have to roll through. I don't know why you haven't rolled through. Can't believe it. You're missing out you on a lot. You get a freebie this. You get a freebie last weekend, but mm -mm. yeah. Or this weapon. So come see us over on the streams. Uh, we'll uh we'll we'll see you there. We'll hang out with you there. But in the meantime, let's get to our conversation with Rishi of Eternal Boy. Welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast, broadcasting to you live from emosocialclub.tv. I am Brian. And I'm Lizzie, and we're here this afternoon, again, a, a very Monday Monday with Eternal Boy. Thank you so much for jumping on the podcast and also dealing with our plethora of tech issues this, this afternoon. <laughs> no problem. Happy to be here. Love Chicago. Absolutely. There's nothing that uh, people from Chicago love more than Chicago. I found. <laughs> um, yeah, we we're, we're, we were supposed to do this live as soon as we went live. Uh, Twitch started to say no, uh, and we also saw Mark Hoppus is unable to stream. So we're definitely not more important to Twitch than Mark Hoppus. So uh, thank you for joining us on the recording and the and the video. Uh, but yeah, Rishi, let, let me go ahead and let you introduce yourself. Say who you are, what you do, and 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 all that good stuff. Why, hello, internet world. My name is Rishi. Unfortunately, last name is Ball. You can imagine what that was like in seventh grade. Um, I play I play in the band Eternal Boy. Eternal Boy has been Eternal Boy since about 2017. I'm the lead singer, guitar player. We're a three-piece pop-punk band from Pittsburgh, PA. Uh, most, most of the time when you say three-piece pop-punk band, everybody's brain goes towards a particular band. I'm, I'm not sure if you know them. I'm not going to name Uncle them. Uncle Trio. There you go. Oh, Chicago. Right. <laughs> he just named them. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we um, have you know been playing as Eternal Boys since 2017. Prior to 2017, we were unfortunately called a band called The Space Pimps, which we changed the name as soon as we <laughs> thought we could, uh, mm -hmm. which we had toured a lot under The Space Pimps name. And, you know, we had a, like a lot of label interest that you know, at the time, we're like, you have to change your name. And little punk Rishi said, fuck you, label. Am I allowed to swear? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. okay. As much as you want. Okay, cool. Uh, and we said, fuck you, labels. And we kept the name. And then what do you know? 2017 rolls over and we changed the name. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we, have, we have a new album that came out on Friday, April 30th, called Bad Days Are Over. We've been, you know, pressing hard on the world. Um, 
And uh, that's it. I also, outside of uh, the band, I run something called Four Chord Music Festival in Pittsburgh, which is uh, kind of a big all-day warp Tory um, festival. And I also run a record label called Four Chord Music, which uh, has released Eternal Boys record, ironically enough. But that's what, keep, what takes my time up and, you know, stoked to be here. So you changed the name. At, at, uh, labels were asking you to change the name, and you're like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then you started your own label and then changed your name for your own label. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it that way, it sounds like well. a moron, which is partially true. But yeah, I mean, we, I, I don't know. I was, a real, I was real stubborn four years ago. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, that's fair. Didn't want to, uh, I don't know. We, we, we had some legitimate interest and, in, in, you know, things kind of went sour a little outside of the name too. It went sour. And then I kind of realized, you know, what a label does is, you know, in 2021 or 2020 is not what a label did in 2002 in the heyday of our genre with the drive through mm -hmm. records and the vagrants and the so on and so forth. Right. So it's not like you have to secure this like massive distribution network when the distribution is essentially in the palm of everybody's hand. So record mm -hmm. labels, I think in 2021 are much more about just a marketing arm and uh, marketing is my forte. So um, I actually also hmm. have a PhD in marketing and I'm a professor at a university wow, here in okay. Pittsburgh. So I figured why not just put my money where my mouth is and, and see if, you know, I could walk the talk. Absolutely. Well, there you go. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a lot of information at once. I know. No, no. I mean, like I, I hey, you're, you're joining um, like the ranks of like offspring and like Slipknot who are yeah. like, hey, I have a PhD in this in this area and it's like nice <laughs> somebody in slipknot has a phd yeah i think i don't remember who it was but they're like a gynecologist whoa so they have a doctorate it's not Sweet. that which is like if that crazy. was in the 1990s but still you'd be like that is the worst story about this i could ever hear <laughs> <laughs> but like now you're like oh cool like He's out here. He's doing something. Yeah, and I think Dexter has uh, like some crazy, si some type of like really yeah. extensive science degree, like PhD. I don't know what yeah. kind, but Molecular it's like way biology. Bum. Yeah, something. Yeah, there we go. Damn. You're in yeah, good company. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I guess. And I know, you know, Lee Singer Bad Religion is, is uh, I think, is a PhD mm -hmm. in sociology or anthropology. But it's more like, like the reason why I got mine was much more out of necessity. It was like, well, what can I do? while still like being in a band full time and still like do the things I want to do and like have some, you know, four months off a year and, you know, be able to tour four months, five months out of the year, but still come home and not run into the problem that every single band at our level runs, runs into, which is you come home and you're broke. Um, mm -hmm. So we all kind of strategically figure that out, you know, where we got jobs that we thought were, you know, more conducive to like a touring lifestyle. And I just said, you know, it's not like I'm like extra smart. It's just I'm just like really annoying. So I think I just ended up getting it just because of that. Wow, I like the way you put that. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, I I we we talk a lot on this podcast about labels and that because we talk with a lot of independent artists and we talk about a lot of people who started their own stuff and it's like, yeah, really, a label is like I I think the old days it was labels are a bank and labels just give you the money to do the things that you want to do. Uh, and now I do feel like that that is mostly marketing. It's mostly like having connections and having marketing and stuff. And so if you have somebody in the band who can do it, you know, you're you're going to be much better off than if you're looking for somebody else to do the same thing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that, you know, when we think of record labels and like you signed to a record label, it's like you've made it when in reality, 
and you can ask any of the bands from the drive through heyday and the you know early 2000s like getting signed is the hard is it starts the hard work i think um and i think that nowadays i mean like obviously you know four core music has eternal boy you know i also have three four other bands that i work with but but I think that what ends up happening, unfortunately, in 2021 is we get what I call these chop shops, uh, these record mm. labels that essentially, you know, have a ba- signed 50 bands a year. They don't pay for anything for the band. If one of them ends up hitting, you know, then they look good, like they're a legitimate label. And um, you have to be really weary. You know, Four Core Music, though I don't, though making the money back becomes very hard. We fund every single band still. We pay for all the recording. We pay for all the distro, all the manufacturing. There's a tour support budget for if they if they land a particular mm. tour. Um, so we do it the right way, but it you know the margins are very small, if at all. Mm. You know, with some of these smaller bands, um, but it's still a challenge. It's it's I love challenges. Um, you know, so so uh, you know, I work with a band from Canada called Fortune Cove. Uh, I think that they are, they used to be a band called Harbor. They changed the name too. I don't know what the hell this theme is of changing names, <laughs> but um, they're a really, really, really amazing band. But, you know, they changed their name and all of their fan base from Harbor had no idea they changed their name. So it becomes more than just releasing a, a record at that point. You're trying to do a complete rebrand. I think it's like really crazy the fact that if you were to change over a band name, you would usually be like, hey guys, guess what? I know that. Um, our, one of our friends of the pod, um, McKenna, they actually just posted saying that they have to change their band name because they ran into some legality issues apparently with it. Mm. So, and I haven't heard much an update from that. So I feel like that's still something that's pretty prevalent, whether it's for that reason or if they're just like, hey, I want to transition over to whatever else for whatever the reason. But you definitely have to like think ahead with it. Otherwise you're going to lose your entire fan base, which, you know, even a simple like post on socials could be like, Hey guys, we're doing this. But if you just switch it over, people are gonna be like, who's this band? Is this the, what is this That's from that what- random dude who sent me a friend request on Facebook said like my band, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a really good point. And I mean, it's a really good point. And I do con- some consulting on the side too with marketing and, um, I'm like the the rebrand specialist is what they call, but was what I call myself, I guess. Um, <laughs> and uh, when we when we changed the band name, so the last Space Pimps record was called Eternal Boy. So there's a bit of a paper trail, right? There's a there's some breadcrumbs that lead back, so people that hear Eternal Boy, they would know that maybe that refers to the Space Pimps. So mm. we, uh, Lizzie, this is a funny thing that I I was going to message you yesterday about. Uh-oh. We just got followed by a band on Instagram that has the exact same name as the band that I started in high school. Oh no! <laughs> and I was like, Wait. "How do you feel about that?" <laughs> like, oh, it's so weird. It's like, uh, I I talk a lot about how I look at um, Christopher Mintzplass, McLovin, and I'm like, he's living my life because we look the exact same. Oh, and I'm no, like, you... now I'm. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and now I'm looking at this band that's called my band name from high school, and I'm like are they living my band? Like, is that, is that who we were supposed to be? They are much younger and honestly like 10 times better than we ever were. So like good on What's them. the name of the band? Project Mercury. Yeah, that is pretty specific. Unless that's like some <laughs> sort of like uh, some like spatial like trip that actually happened. And that's how they thought of it. It is. A, yeah. It's a real operation. That's like our guitarist had like some interest in it. And he's like, that sounds like a really cool band name. And I was like, yeah, it is. And then this band uh, also said that. So they, uh, they, they, 
And I, I say you kind of took it from us in uh, what was what would that have been like 2002? Well, <laughs> like, yep. you must have taken it from us. Well, here's the yeah. thing, that's, right? That's uh, funny. You have to think about it. Were they alive in 2002? I do not believe this band had <laughs> conscious thoughts. Uh, th they look young. They look young. Uh, not that that's a bad thing. I'm just like, you know, I, I was looking at it a little bit like, uh, you know, you kids don't know how hard I had it with that band name. <laughs> you got to get off my lawn. You're taking my band name. It's like, no, old man, shut up. Like, stop, turn off Instagram. Like, stop looking at it. Uh, What's I just thought it was really funny. So you guys grew up, did you guys both grow up in like the heyday to early 2000s, mid 2000s, pop punk, punk emo? No, um, I was a child. Mostly me. <laughs> <laughs> like we, uh, we were, we were playing, um, a day to remember's homecoming on a stream recently. And, uh, we looked up what day, what, what, what year it came out. And it, <laughs> I think it was like, uh, 2007, 2006, maybe if I'm remembering correctly. And I remember like that being like a seminal like high school record for me. And I'm like, nope, I was a I was a sophomore in college when that came out. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, like yeah. all these records, like even Riot came out the year after I graduated high school. So uh, I'm, I'm looking at like all of these like original, you know, the big records when they were all like TRL and, and right to the top of Billboard because I looked at that at the time and I was like, Oh shit. Like I was in college. I wasn't in, I wasn't in high yeah. school at all. I would uh, like, you and I are. Yeah. You guys are probably, I was like in middle school sneaking, listening to it at my like friend's <laughs> house. Cause their parents, because we went to Catholic school and they were like, Oh my God, Haley Williams said whore. Can you believe? And we were like, <laughs> just like middle school girls. and like, Oh my God, it's so edgy and cool. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I mean, I, I mean, I remember, I mean, I was in middle school when, when like I'm trying to think, I think that you and I are closer in age. I mean, I, I, I mean, Oh mm -hmm. six, like graduated high school, you know, like that, that kind of world. But we, I, yeah. grew, I mean, I grew up, we absolutely, my friends and I, and I went to a really strict private high school in Western PA. Ooh. And uh, like there was maybe two people that listened to punk rock and, um, we absolutely we were the kings of drive through records my my, my friends and i and then mm -hmm. essentially who we met in um like the scene but drive through records was essentially our, our bible um you know the starting lines phoenix tx rx bandits newfound glory uh you know that whole world changed mind shook my my world to the core and a funny story mm -hmm. richard rines and stephanie rines were the creators of drive through records uh their mm -hmm. brother and sister and about three years ago, when I started the record label, I actually approached Richard Rines to see if I could buy the whole back catalog of drive through records Ooh. from him, knowing it Ooh. would be seven figures, right? And knowing I didn't have that money, sure. but I'm really good at talking. So I thought maybe I could somehow <laughs> my way in there. Um, and uh, yeah, so he, he responded and told me to fuck off. That was the end. That was the end of the line. So uh, <laughs> didn't end up, didn't end up getting my, my, uh, my gold mine of the drive through records back catalog. And also there's so many legalities like, cause drive through was ended up being picked up by MCA. So who really mm -hmm. owns that catalog? There was a lot of ambiguity from it, but that whole riot and like Paramore shit was kind of like after that, which of course I love Paramore, you know, who doesn't love Paramore, but mm -hmm. um, you know, we were much, my friends and I were much more into that, like, you know, pop punk drive through records era type shit. Yeah.
Yeah. There's definitely that difference of the emo scene and the pop punk scene back in that day, which I think is much more like integrated now as we've gone over the years. It's much more like connected. But at that time, it was very like, like I, I have a very hard time separating like Paramore from pop punk. But I am like, yeah, there was definitely like a sound difference and the scene was different. And like labels like drive through were signing more like pop punk ended emo or like, you know, starting line with sad lyrics, but faster chords. And then there was like the Paramores and the My Chems where it's like, I don't know, hard to hard to describe, like not not four chords because it is four chords on it. But it's like, you know, it's it's uh, it's a different style, I guess. That's a really good. That's a really good point. That is a really good point. And you need to pat yourself on the back for that point right there. Thank you. There oh was God. a huge ice. <laughs> There was a huge isolation between pop punk and emo then that I don't think that people understand. Like I'm looking like on Instagram, people are following the band and it's like, like this, some emo, you know, emo, uh, uh, icon type Instagram page where they're posting videos of like iconic emo bands. And it's like my chem blink newfound. Mm. I'm like, do you understand that in 2006, if those two ever cross paths, yeah. it'd be like the ghostbusters when you cross paths, like something would explode. <laughs> You know, and uh, emo, emo was a curse word to pop punk and pop punk was a curse word to yeah. emo kids. And now it's the same. And I love it. I love we live in the same space. Yeah, we always get this like, you know, the the people who are like, it's not real emo unless it's this. And it's like, dude, if you were at Warp Tour, you're probably an emo scene band. Like, that's just what it is now. Definitely. Definitely. 100%. So who is who are who were your integral bands? Like, who were the bands that, like, I'm doing this podcast because of these two bands? Who are they? Uh, My Chem, Panic of the Disco, Fall Out Boy, Paramore, I think is our top four. Yeah, I would say probably um, Fall Out Boy. And then me always championing, championing um, Jonas Brothers, their first three albums, saying that they're a pop <laughs> punk band and dying by that <laughs> statement. <laughs> Because you're wearing a Distillers t-shirt. Yeah, That's I fucking love it. Oh, no, this is, it's punk. I mean, in high school, I actually, um, when I was in high school, I was really into like the Hollywood Undead and like Evanescence and Fall Out Boy and like my chem. Like that was like my main listening room and Jonas Brothers, obviously. Um, but I was like, oh, I want to learn more <laughs> about punk music because I was like, oh, I'm straight edge. Let me like learn more about this so i understand what i'm listening to more so i would like read oh. like anthologies and such like that and then i found about out about the distillers and i like got hooked on them when i was in high school i actually flew out to shaking knees down in georgia that year they came back because that was like one of their closer shows for me so i went down to that music fest festival mainly only to see the distillers <laughs> wow I've seen the Distillers so many times at Warp Tour back in like 05, 06. That was a mm. Tim Armstrong discovered band, I believe. Yeah, that's Tim Armstrong from Rancid who discovered. They were awesome. Mm. That's uh, and you know, so fun. Like I, I, I loved my chem. Like the first job I ever had in high school was to uh, at, at a club in Pittsburgh that brought all these tours through, and uh, I was checking cables to see if cables worked. I got paid like four bucks an hour, and uh, oh, yeah. this tour came through. It was. It was the used Finch and then My Chemical Romance opened. Ooh, and My yeah. Chem had just signed a major. They just signed to a major. Three Cheers was like on the precipice of being released. And um, I loved them. I, I mean, I loved their stage presence. I loved everything about them, which my friends made fun of me about constantly because we were so punk and pop punk. And uh, then Three Cheers came out. I was like, <laughs> this, is, this is phenomenal. And, um, and ever since then, I just, you know, I, I've been... I, I don't know. I I think that that my chem is kind of the pinnacle emo band. The the we'll say pop emo, 
the pinnacle pop mm-hmm. emo band of our generation. Um, but I never, ever like bought it hook, line and sinker. Like I never wore girls jeans. I never wore eyeliner. <laughs> I never had hair in my face. It always stuck straight up, man. Um, that was first thing I did Saw that band. And I'm oh, like, no, get, get me the girl jeans, oh, eyeliner boy. all over. He said, yeah. I'm suiting oh. up had- for battle. <laughs> suiting up <laughs> my superhero outfit. You were at the front lines of the emo pop punk. Uh, uh, Absolutely. I was like, I got to defend emo. And then everybody's coming out here, man overboard style, defend pop punk. I hate this town. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See you it's, in the fields. It's It sucks, too. Like, I don't like, you know, and obviously with the festival and the label and stuff, like, you know, like we played, we played some of the Wonder Years first shows as the Space Pimps. Like we played, like to me, like the Wonder Years were that band that really gave um, a platform for the story so far is in the state champs and the neck deeps and the everything that ensued after that. Um, but I'm really not into that new shit, man. I really hate to admit that mm. I really hate to admit it. It's, and I have them, I have a lot of those bands on my festival. Just like when you've lived through the, the drive through records era, there's no going back in my opinion. There's, there's absolutely no going back. It's, it's the, um, in the newness of pop punk at that time, it just was, mm. it could, was indescribable. It was indescribable going to a show, a local show, no name bands, 150 people at a venue that had a hundred people, no matter what Saturday through Sunday. I mean, Saturday through the entire week is what I mean to say, right? I mean, like every <laughs> single venue, every single VFW was filled to the brim from 2003 to 2008. And then it just, I don't know, got, it got, it got, you know, inauthentic to me in many ways so i kind of hmm. fell off of the wagon but i'm getting back on that's why i'm here there you go. <laughs> i mean and you can kind of hear that at least in like the presser that we got for eternal boy there was obviously like very heavy with drive through records which i read it i was like oh hell yeah like i love the starting line i love at the you know at the drive-in and i'm like okay cool so and i can definitely hear that in a lot of the music that you guys have put out especially recently and i'm like okay so this is actually like what it says it is which is you know Sometimes few and far between, <laughs> depending on whoever's sending you a presser when you do the four fans of. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's definitely like that heavy influence and obviously like dedication to it, which I really appreciate that you're still putting into this music, especially new music. And now knowing that you're like, I'm trying to get into the newer music, but also not really. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's it's we wear our hearts on our sleeve. Like people we're we're, you know, we're friends with all the bands in the, in the scene that are that are doing the newer thing. And I respect ev- – let me put that out there too. I'm not trying to disparage any band just because I don't like them doesn't mean anything. I appreciate people's work ethic. And even with the, with the festival, you know, the festival is a D, was a DIY festival. It still is in the seventh year. But, like, now I, we have Blink-182. I have Blink-182 as a headliner, you know, and the used. So it's, it's at a different point at this point. But, I, you know, the band, the lower band bills, which Eternal Boy is on that bill too – the keep flyings, these bands that are, that are grinders, you know, I appreciate the grind more than anybody. And I think that my generation of people, you know, 30 years old are, are really appreciative of that grind. Um, so yeah, I mean, I really do wear the old school nostalgic pop punk thing pretty hard. Uh, cause it was so meaningful to us. And, and, and I mean, I don't think it's for everybody and that's okay. You know, just like, just like every genre and every band's not for everybody, but, um, I do feel very proud that, uh, the new record Bad Days Are Over is is kind of an amalgam or or a um, yeah like a mixture of of a lot of things for us, um, but we still we certainly don't deviate away from the why, the reason why people the few people that like us uh, like us you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk a bit about the record now that you brought it up. Nice sure. transition point. Feels like radio. Feels like a real podcast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, 
bad days are over um pretty hopeful title <laughs> uh obviously after uh, a a large string of bad days um where where does it come from how did we how did we get here and can you explain the pandemic to all of us now but <laughs> oh, no. like well, the mRNA mixes with the yeah. blood cells. Um, yeah, so Bad Days Are Over, it was, it was, uh, it's actually one of our favorite bands growing up was a band called Rufio. And uh, they mm. released a record that has a chorus um, that, you know, is, it says, you know, finally the bad days are over. And um, this actually is not really a, uh, it, it, it um, we'll say serendipis- serendipitously, uh, found itself in a time where there have been a lot of bad days, but really it's more of a testament of like acknowledging that the world is pretty fucked up, even beyond the pandemic. I mean, there's political undertones, sociocultural undertones, economic undertones, you know, that really the world, particularly the United States, is kind of a really weird place to be in um, a post Trump era, for better, or for worse, mostly for worse, in my opinion. Um, but, uh, and it's more of like a, just kind of like a PSA to do good. And to do good deeds. And we released a, the title track, a video um, for Bad Days Are Over, where it's kind of a spoof off the rock show by Blink, where we get this check from our record label. And rather yeah. than spending an actual uh, ton of money on a video, which we have in the past, we donated all the money to a local animal shelter that we, you know, we are huge animal rights people in our band. Um, and we spent the whole day with uh, these shelter animals and just trying to kind of, it doesn't have to be a big donation. You can go help you know, your next door neighbor, who's an elderly person, you can wear a mask in public. If it means it's going to spread a disease to somebody, uh, it can really be applied broadly. I think just to do good and do good deeds, um, totally devoid of religion or any sort of other moral or ethical thing. It's just like, be, be a good person, you know, and, uh, you can end the bad day for somebody as small as buying Starbucks for somebody behind you, or it could be in a million different ways. So I think that that's more of the PSA about it. It just so happens that, and the record was recorded before the pandemic and we got kind of, we sat mm. on it cause we thought this was going to last a couple months and we can go on tour. How could we not tour on a record? Um, and it ended up not happening and it ended up having a broader meaning. So amen to uh, serendipity. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I was going to ask like, did you write it in the middle of the pandemic or did you write it before? But yeah, if you're writing it before, it's like, Oh shit, we, 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 we predicted this. <laughs> Nostradamus. <laughs> People are going to want to feel good after all this stuff. I think that's true. I, I think that's true. You know, and I, I, I try to stay positive about it because even with the festival, I've had to move it two times. I'm moving it. Well, now I announced mm. it, but I've had to move it once and now I'm moving it again to September from July. Um, it just feels like it feels like we're all due for something cool. You know, I don't know. Mm. I agree. Yeah. So with your... um kind of announcement here uh moving the four chord festival when are you expecting to have it in september and how do you feel like just with having different precautions because i know out here in chicago they effective immediately as of like last week they were trying to open up and have more festivals and indoor music venues with that with capacity restrictions obviously and there's still a lot of different things happening and i know our governor also just said hey guys we're actually gonna go back and put more restrictions on things because we have rising rates so there's a lot of conflicting things here with like us even possibly having riot fest in september so how do you feel about these different precautions that you'll end up having to probably take into consideration going into september i think that everything is unpredictable you know i i really think that 
you know, though I'm cautiously optimistic, I do think that anything can happen. And to be honest with you, a lot of bands, you know, a lot of bands like my cam are just saying, yo, like we're not going to do it, you know, in, in 2021. And I have full anticipation that something catastrophic like that will happen with four chord. Um, you know, I can't, you know, I, I don't know if I'm a big band going on tour and, you know, I don't know, you're in your forties or fifties, you have family members. I can see why this might not be a year you want to tour. So I kind of have, you know, this mindset that maybe it will have to happen in 2022. Um, but, you know, I think that in terms of precautions, it's a lot, it's a lot out of our control, you know, whatever the state, you know, right now the state of Pennsylvania will, it, I mean, there's no, we're nowhere close to being able to, to have shows back. You know, they talked about July 1st in New York city, but that's still with 50% capacities. I mean, a thing like riot, a show like riot fest or four chord, we cannot happen at a limited capacity. You cannot happen at a six feet distance capacity. I mean, you can't, it just doesn't work. So given that scenario, I have humored and though I am planning to push to September, I'm still humoring, maybe pushing to 2020 just to make sure that it is completely out of the system. Um, you know, but you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of out of control stuff that you're kind of following governors and who barely know what they're doing to some degree and politicians to make these decisions. But, um, you know, best case scenario, you test every person that comes in. Is that economically feasible? No. Um, so given that situation, it, you kind of just have to go with whatever the state requires or doesn't require. And I'll tell you what I don't want to have happen. I don't want to be the first festival to happen and there be some massive super spreader event. I mean, that would be literally antithetical to my entire ethos on life. Um, mm. You know, I come from a medical family. My, my dad's a physician. My wife's uh, in cardiothoracic transplant. My, my mom's a nurse. So like, you know, all these people really risked their lives over the last year. And I think it's disrespectful to kind of say we know better than you, um, you know, type thing. So there's a lot to think about still, you know, there's a lot to think about still. Um, but the plan was to go go through to September. But again, I can't reiterate still a lot of variables. Mm. No, I feel like that's, that's <sighs> a safe answer for the most part, because I was actually I've been seeing a lot more like Facebook events pop up the last week. And there's a lot of smaller indie bands announcing, you know, like club shows either at like, you know, sub T or Cobra, Cobra Lounge here in Chicago. But I'm seeing also like Flaming Lips just said, hey, we're going on tour next year. And then so you're seeing all yeah, these yeah. bigger bands say, hey, we're going on tour next year, which I'm like, you know what? That makes sense. And it, you know, even is more impactful from the statement you just made saying like these people are a little bit older. They have families, probably they have other commitments and they have to think further ahead rather than all right in three months i'm just gonna drop everything and go on a you know a yeah. smaller short show tour just to get it out of my system yeah i agree i, I mean I, I think that people have to be very careful i mean you know thankfully i'm vaccinated you know but there's still so much ambiguity about that i mean it's just a, a lot of ambiguous things here i mean i want to have a show more than anybody on planet earth i got my dream band to play but you know it's it's I'm cautiously optimistic, but like the other side of me is like, how is this really going to happen? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? I mean, that's coming from the horse's mouth. I mean, that's really yeah. where, where I'm at on it. I mean, I, I, I don't like I, I just recently went, went maskless around my parents. And, you know, my my parents were vaccinated months ago, too. I don't it just felt weird. Like, how are we going to go from like completely being masked and and isolated to like let's go in a mosh pit like nobody wants to do that more than me i, I just <laughs> it's just it seems a little irresponsible so I, we have to weigh the pros and cons even at this point you know yeah mm. 
And could you imagine saying, hey, before you get in the pit, you have to put a mask on. But I feel like for certain like genres, people be like, oh, no, I already do that. I'm like cyberpunk as fuck. And like nobody has to worry. about <laughs> it. Yeah, I yeah, can I can, I can see that, too. I can see that, too. But it's, you know, then you get yeah, just it's not a political issue. But then, like, you know, I've had so many emails from people being like, is this going to be a socially distant event? Because if it is, blah, blah, blah. And then they go off on this political time. I get I get 17 emails a day from people being like, is this actually happening? And like, mm. I want to say, I don't know. I mean, I, how do you say I don't know to people that have paid for a ticket too, you know? And then yeah. the next thing I think about all the time is like, if I do push to 2022, how do I, do we hold the money for 2022? I mean, I'm completely independent. There's nobody, you're looking at the marketer, the brander, the talent buyer, the graphic designer. Like, I mean, there's, there's no more DIY festival than there is this. It's like, I don't know how I can afford to say here, take back all this money. And you know, there's a lot that goes into, into risk assessment on this. So it's, it, I just hope, I hope that people understand no matter what the decision is, it's like, it's, 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 it's never, nobody's ever, the whole mass is not going to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a perspective. I feel a lot of people haven't looked into because I know I have some friends who were, one, either upset that Riot Fest is still planning to go on as of obviously cautiously optimistic right now and then transferring their, their ticket over to 2022. And then I have some friends who are like, I just can't believe they can't refund it. And I'm like, hey, there's like insurance. There's a lot of money into this that, you know, it's going to impact a lot of people because they're also a DIY, pretty much independent music festival. And that's that's an area I feel like most like not casual concert goers, but people who aren't like embedded in the music scene like all of us here are there. It's a perspective that people and that people are just aren't going to be aware of fully. And it is kind of good to bring it up in a way and not as like a pity me type of thing. It's like, hey, this is just the reality of business and how like business and marketing this works out for right now. That, I def, that's very well said. I wish people had the understanding uh, sentiment. I mean, there's conflicting things here too. It's like, you know, I offered refunds to everybody when it was moved the first time. If it's moved again, I'm going to, I have to offer it. Like, I get it. People are struggling. Like, I don't want to keep your 50 bucks, you know, if, if you needed to pay rent. I really don't. Um, but, you know, just you brought up insurance. Insurance is, insurance premiums have risen by almost 300% for, for concerts, at least in my, in my neck of the woods. Insurance for events like this are already tens of thousands of dollars. Somebody falls and breaks their neck, you need insurance. Somebody slips and falls, you need to break, you need to have insurance. Somebody, somebody gets drunk and hits their head, you need insurance. Somebody's crowd surfing. It's why Warp Tour constantly was reiterating, you know, his their insurance premiums are unmanageable. You know, you need insurance. If it rains and this, you need event cancellation insurance, all there is there is a, a a infinite list of things that you need to insure. Um, insurance premiums, I, I'm, I'm not going to name the quotes, but they are almost unmanageable for concerts right now. And, you know, that's money that's lost. I paid my insurance premium for 2020 for this festival. So I've lost tens of thousands of dollars just in insurance alone, not to mention marketing. There was, we announced on a Friday, we announced on a Monday, went on sale on Friday and the United States closed down the following Wednesday. So I had, I mean, I had tens of thousands of dollars in marketing to promote the event. You know, there's deposits on these bands. You have to put a deposit down on these bands in yeah. order to secure it. I mean, obviously you get, you would get those back in a situation like this, but you know, there's so much money on the line. I, I just can't even begin. That's not even scratching the surface. Um, it almost makes you, makes you think like, why would we even risk putting on a show with all of these variables when all this money is on the line? That's kind of where my head's at. You know, though I have a date in mind for September, 
I'm still wrestling with, like I mentioned, you know, pushing it. It's just too, so much liability, so much involved. Yeah. I do hope that people learn from, I mean, obviously a lot of people have been talking about this over the past year and I hope people are learning at least like, Hey, everybody's businesses are suffering just because you want to go outside to a concert. doesn't mean that that business isn't suffering. So like, I've been totally cool with like, yeah, please keep my money. And like, if there's anything else we can like buy, if there's any other services you need, like I'll buy merch, I'll buy all this stuff, you know, it's just like, I need this concert business to like stay afloat and like keep happening like venues and all that. And in Chicago, it's like, oh, you need, I'll just, I'll drop Here's $20 to your GoFundMe. Here's $20 to that GoFundMe, like all that kind of stuff. I hope people are learning like these things are not a given. These things are worked for and especially the independent ones, like to keep those afloat. Not like the the live nations. Oh yeah, live nations will be fine. They'll be great. They'll be golden. Don't yeah. worry. Ninety percent of your tours will happen. Live nation will come and save the day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I appreciate that. You know, there's the problem is is that there's just not much people can really do. To, you know, help is appreciated. The only way to help is to buy a ticket to the show and to hold on to it. You know, it's just so much ambiguity. It's just so tough. I, I of course that had happened the year I got blank. Just like my luck. <laughs> listen, Mark Hoppus, he was like, listen, I'm just I'm just here to have a good time. And then it's the same thing with like, you know, our Twitch earlier. He said, I can't do my Twitch yep. stream today. It's it's all yep. one in one. Yeah, on, you're Mark. right. I know. It's, it, this is some weird, <laughs> ominous, you know, uh, for, you know, foreshadowing for what's going to happen. The- um, I'm worried yeah, that Travis Barker and what I'm worried that? Travis Barker and Mark Hoppus are running way too much of the music industry right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, that's actually a really good point. That's a really good point, but yeah, we'll see what mm-hmm. happens. I don't know, man. It's, it's, uh, it's very, very, uh, it's a very, just ominous is the best word. We'll see what happens. It's like a tornado coming. Yeah. Is it going to land on your house or are you going to be able to, to <laughs> sideswipe it? You know? Hey everyone. It's Lizzie from the emo social club with a new season comes a new logo and merch. If you haven't noticed, we updated our iconic Emo Social Club logo thanks to our new designer, Joey Resco. You can pre-order a shirt with the new design on our website, emosocialclub.com slash store. And every dollar goes towards us keeping the neon lights on here at the club. These will ship out in late May through early June. So get your orders in now. Thanks always for the support from us here at the Emo Social Club saw that you uh guys did a live stream album release show which is awesome that you guys kind of like were able to step up and be able to make that um happen for your fans and audience how did that kind of come to fruition because i know there's a lot of other bands who are kind of like i wish we could have done something like this and we've had some other um friends of the pod who have kind of done similar events or done like mini like music festivals on like twitch and everything so when you guys were brainstorming doing this album release, was this like the very first or for- foremost thought or was it something that just kind of was like, maybe we should just try and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, it was, all, we did a live stream for like the year or two anniversary of our previous record awkward phase. And we did that in August of last year. Um, we had to push, it was supposed to be on the date that the actual album came out two years prior, but we had somebody in there in the crew where we were, filming it had COVID. So we pushed it, but so we, we just want, I mean, without being able to tour, it's like, we have to be in content overload, you know? So it, 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 it's not like we made any money off doing a live stream. I, you know, a lot of the people that like us enjoyed it and it was, you know, we, we were able to, to pull off a pretty high production for a band of our level, like a higher production 
um, live stream. We weren't like, yeah, we got to do it. But like we do an album release show of every album we've ever done in our hometown, which is kind of like our bread and butter. Like the East Coast is kind of our bread and butter for touring. So um, it just kind of derived out of that push more records. You know, this is a huge week because the billboard uh, numbers are going to this is like where you submit your billboard numbers and then they come out like at the end of the week, you find out like how it did. So we thought maybe it would help boost um, people's kind of attention towards the record. So it wasn't like planned, but it was kind of like we've always done it. So we might as well try something for this now, given the situation. It looked really good. I'm going to say that because I've seen a lot of bands do it. And it doesn't look that good or like, yeah, I think, I think it's very hard to put it on. I think it's very hard to put up like a show in a, in a space, right? Like not just like I'm sitting in my living room with an acoustic, like you had the full band there, you've got everybody performing, you've got multiple cameras. I'm like, this looks good. This is like, this is put together. And then, and like being live streamed rather than like a pre-recorded one. Like I know under oath was doing like pre-recorded like it's a live stream, but really it's like we filmed this and then it was edited and we put it up like that. So to do it all live, I was like, damn, this is good. This is actually like really good to watch. It's fun to watch. Like you're enjoying like the actual, like it's, it's not live like concert feel, but it's live like interacting and like hearing the music and enjoying it that way. So props. How did you Thanks. get it to be yeah, so no, good? I, we totally. <laughs> so, 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 so yeah, well, I appreciate it. First of all, I mean, yeah, we, we, uh, so the, the sound and lighting company that we use that I use to do four chord every year is this kind of really high tech company called here Corp. And they, um, they, they provided during the pandemic, the option to do something like this. And they are, they're whizzes. I mean, at it. I mean, really, you know, they dealt with all the streaming capabilities and the bandwidth and the, you know, the multiple camera stuff. So we essentially just paid them. Um, we went, they have a live space that used to be a church that with pipe and drape, they made it look like the most crazy cool, you know, type type situation and show and vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just put up high pro lighting. And, you know, it was mixed in a mixing room, like on an SSL console, which is like what we record records on. And so uh, yeah, they made it sound good. But yeah, the under stuff like that was completely edited. That was sound replaced. That was auto tuned. That mm-hmm. was like ours was much more raw, you know, it was compressed and, you know, you know, for for live streaming uh, purposes. But I, I, we were really ho- happy with it. I mean, you know, we can't ask for much more at a band of our level to get any more, you know, high quality than that. But so essentially mm-hmm. it was all me. I did everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it, it's so, uh, and we were talking a bit about this before we got on the stream and it's weird to talk about like, you know, tech issues and all that. And like, obviously we've had a lot today, but um, just like getting, getting it off the ground for a lot of musicians was kind of like this, it felt insurmountable. I know there's a lot of bands who've decided we're just not going to do any live streaming stuff. We're just like, I don't want to figure it out. I don't want to make it happen. And obviously, like you said, it's content overload now. It's like, this is all we have. All we have is performances for an audience through the internet or uh, or through a recording, whatever we do. That's our that's our interaction. Um, so it's just interesting right. to see, like, it can be done well. It can be done very professionally. It can look good. It can be fun to do um, without having to record it before. Uh, beforehand and put it out that way so um yeah it's just it's just interesting i'm 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 glad you did it i'm glad it's like i I, you know now you can like share it around and be like you can do this like see yeah this is the example (laughs) yeah no i agree i agree i think bands should should really uh take the quality of their content seriously particularly in 2021 you know not just get a demo and record it and release it i do think that 
people need to be deliberate in what they do with, you know, we were really deliberate with the album artwork too. And like the streaming, like everything's got to kind of feel like a well-oiled machine. If fans in 2021 are going to take you the seriously, the way they should. Mm-hmm. Actually makes me think I just saw 21 pilots is doing a like album release thing. And they're like, we're going to make this as close to what a real album cycle and a real like album release party and what a real like concert announcement, like all this stuff, like how this would feel. We want to make it exactly like that. And then I haven't posted what that means. (laughs) And they're just like, we're going to do as much as we can for it. And I'm like really curious how you, you translate all of those experiences together into like, I'm assuming this means they're not doing any in-person touring this year. Uh, They're probably going to drop their new album and be like, cool, here you go. Like we're going to do all this stuff online. I just don't know what it looks like. I have no idea what that really means, but I'm curious. uh, I'm curious what you can do to take all of that and put it on the internet and give it to everybody in that format and see how it comes out, I guess. Really have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's, I know particularly with a band like, like them, I mean, it was such massive, amounts of expectations from their labels and stakeholders and so on. Like, I mean, I, I, it's gotta be even next level for them. I mean, it's gotta be mm-hmm. next level, whatever the content they're generating is. So, you know, but do what you can with the, with the resources you have. Yeah. They have too many resources <laughs> <laughs> for two guys, you know, you've got like all this like intense shit and I'm like, just watching it. And I'm like, I want that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I want their I want their whole music video set, and I'm like I don't even like for the podcast. I don't know what I do. You have I'd no idea what we and anyone would do with it. We just have them be like, hmm, yeah. what is this? <laughs> Lizzie and I interviewing you from the set of the latest Twenty One Pilots music video. Yeah, neither of us can do a backflip or anything, so I don't know what's what's the purpose with it there. <laughs> <I'll> practice. <laughs> Lizzie. <laughs> so this Throwing is over to you. I was about to say this is your guys' second album. So how is there any difference if there are, is a difference at all from your first album to here? Obviously you mentioned earlier that you also went from Space Pimps to Eternal Boy. So there's a little bit of transition that has gone through. Is there anything that kind of stood out or that is a little bit of a, you know, changeling in this new record? Yeah, I mean, I mean I think that I just, I mean, we're not the band that's like, we got so mature and like, we found, like, we found Jesus and now we're like <laughs> the best band in the world. Um, but we, we definitely like tried new shit, like within our, within the capabilities of like a pop punk band, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, we, 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 we progressed enough in my opinion to like garner new fans, but like we didn't progress enough to alienate old fans. Uh, and I think that, you know, like we used like some, you know, some synth stuff in this one. We had you know, fake drums. We, we, we played around with much more mid tempo stuff. Um, you know, and, uh, I think that, you know, there's an acoustic track on there with, um, there's a, a cello rock band from Western Pennsylvania called cello fury that wrote, um, Interesting. I, I know they're really cool, really, really not what you'd expect. <laughs> and they, they kind of, uh, wrote an accompanying cello part to it. We wrote it about, um, there was a shooting in Pittsburgh at a synagogue called the, at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. Mm, yeah. And uh, we wrote that song for that. And then we released it when it happened and raised money for the families uh, of the victims. And then we kind of just re-released it on this record. So uh, they, they kind of, we kind of came together and did, did that. I mean, that, that's a much, much different, you know, 
pivot for us, so to speak. You know, I mean, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's not what you would ever expect from us, but you know, it's it's still got the emotion that, that we would normally have. So we we kind of moved in that direction. But you know, I take pride in not trying to reinvent the wheel. Uh, I really, really don't. I mean, we're influenced by things, and, and we kind of try to press the genre for for what it can offer us. But you know, we're not trying to be you know, uh, you know, for better or for worse, we're not trying to be Twenty One Pilots, and we're not trying to be um, a band that's cutting edge. And they deserve all the credit they have. I mean, they they really and those dudes were in punk outfits before that and did punk stuff before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're just we're not that band right now. And you know, I think that I I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I love how you say like, because there's so many bands. I remember in AP, they'd be interviewed for their second record, and it's like, yeah, we've gr- we've grown a lot since the last record, and we're so mature. And then it's like you just added synths into it, like that's all you did. I didn't know that. <laughs> synth, I didn't know synths and lo-fi bedroom pop was maturing, and the adult yeah. version of things now. <laughs> it's it's like that is that's what everyone did, and that's what everyone said in the interviews. And I'm always like, but this is just the same thing, like. There are bands like uh, Every Time I Die comes to mind where like they never have really changed. They've like, uh, like you said, they've like pushed the limits of what it is, what the genre is. They are a hardcore band and they're like, we're going to do some different stuff within that. And we might add little bits and pieces here of different genres or different things like that to push the boundaries. But we are what we are and we're going to be that as long as this band exists. And it's like being able to do um, those two kinds of things where you're like advancing the genre, but also sticking very true to like what you're doing before is like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a line there. You got to straddle, I guess, for lack of a better word. Straddle's not my favorite word for that. Yeah, no, I I agree with that mentality. Every time I die is a great exemplar of, of doing what they do and do it well. I've always, I've always had the, I've always had the advice from people, both, professionally musically like if you're going to do something do it the best you can do within that construct you know like i'm a college professor like i want to be the best college professor i can be i'm a music festival operator i want to be the best musical music festival op you know operator i can do within my confines i'm in a pop punk band like do i want to push limits and boundaries yeah um but i also love pop punk and i love punk music Mm -hmm. and i love pop music it's like that's what i want to listen to that's what i want to write um but yeah, I do appreciate bands that that put press those limits. I think you know Blink did a great job with their with their uh, self titled untitled record uh, mm-hmm. after the, after Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, which is like a Paramount record. They went and pivoted. Um, they did a great job. Are we gonna ever do something like that? Not in not on this record, at least. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I do appreciate bands that stick to what they do well. But still, you got to push the limits, no matter how mm-hmm. it is. I do think you have to do that. So the day to remember country record is like your farther down the line, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I it's much farther down the line. I do do songwriting and I do some songwriting for country artists, but that's a whole other world. Hmm. You know what I mean? That's yeah. a whole other world that, because everyone always says like all the old pop punk bands that like, you know, did their thing and broke up. They're all in country now. All of them. Yeah. All of them do country because country music is just pop punk songs stripped down, writing about John Deere tractors <laughs> and cowboy boots. I'm saying Taylor Swift and Jonas Brothers were pop punk before this. And like, we can learn a lot from like the pop bands that had pop punk influences and the country bands that had pop punk influences. And they just, I mean, they're making their money and good for them, you know, Definitely. all the credit to them for that. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people are like, I, I Finn McKenty is, uh, is somebody we watch a lot and he was kind of commenting about like, maybe a day to remember just said, we've already done everything we've done in this. 
So like, let's do something else in this that we haven't done anything with. And like, maybe we can see how big a data remember can get altogether. If what if we did like a country record as a data remember? And I think people like, it's this very weird thing where it's like, you can kind of do whatever you want, even just stay, you know, doing the same sort of thing that you've always liked. And I do think that like fans tend to stick around much longer if you're like kind of sticking to your roots and sticking to who you are uh branching out a little bit not going straight up i'm we're releasing a country record even though we used to be this like pop punk with breakdowns band uh (laughs) i don't know to me it's like it doesn't ring authentic to me and like a day to remember doing that kind of thing doesn't ring authentic but maybe like country music isn't worried about that as much i guess yeah it's true that's a really yeah i agree with that country music's not interested in that and you know i'm friends with a guy that he's in a he's in a pop punk band and has been for years i'm not going to name it because there's kind of some big things happening around it, but mm-hmm. he switched, he wrote country songs and got involved in that and, and is now doing something that is the, maybe the most original thing that I've heard. I mean, anything come out of any genre at this point in 2021. Um, and he's pursuing that and, you know, they signed a record deal and they're about to make the big announcement. And um, I think there's something to be said about being original, you know, for the sake of being original. And if you do that, change your band name. You know, do, do, do another, do another thing. I mean, like, I, yeah, there's a band from the late nineties called lit that had the big song, my own worst enemy. They released a country record, like two, I didn't even know they were still banned and they released a country (laughs) record two years ago, three years ago. It's like, it's like, I get it and I appreciate it. And you, if whatever you need to do to satiate your musical endeavors, but just change the name and do something different. Like eternal boy is never going to write a country song. And if we did, I hope somebody would check me and say, yo dude, what the fuck are you doing? You know, hey man. Um, I didn't even know Lit was, yeah, one, I didn't even know Lit was still a band. I also didn't know that they put out a whole S country album. Yeah. I feel like I would get that Spotify alert and be like, hey, I, <laughs> I think this is wrong. Can we talk about this real quick? <laughs> the algorithm did not work on that one, is probably what, what you yeah. would say. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I know. I don't know. It's just that's, that's, it feels the word inauthentic comes to mind. And that's, a lot of the mm. reason why I kind of I hated and you guys are probably gonna hate me for this. I hated the whole neon punk thing. Like in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, like V necks mm. and neon colored shirts and broken side and boys like girls. And, <laughs> like I just never I never it was never something that seemed authentic to me and it didn't last long. And I think the things that last long, the newfound glories, the paramours, the my chemical romances, the fallout boys, um, you know, they're the ones that really even all time low came out of that neon punk thing, but they found they found their, themselves while doing that, mm. you know, and they kind of, you know, realized a lot about themselves and they're innovating within their themselves on every record. You know, I'm not a huge all time low fan at all, but they're still doing their thing and they're still innovating, you know, within the confines of all time low. And I appreciate that, but that whole neon punk thing, ugh, it just, it was terrible. <laughs> we, we almost got kicked off the warp tour one year. Cause I was talking so much shit on forever. The sickest kids every day. Oh, wow. Uh, in 2010 <laughs> or 11 or something, I kept making fun of him every day. And Kevin Lyman took me aside and he goes, Richie, and I love Kevin. And Kevin is a huge mentor to me in everything that I do. He's a college professor mm-hmm. now. I was a college professor before him, but he's a college professor now. After <laughs> um, but he put me aside. He goes, Richie, he said, a very ginger or very, very peppy. He goes, Richie, love you guys. He goes, if you keep talking shit on Forever the Sickest Kids every day, you're off the tour and you're banned for life. And I was like, done. I'm done. <laughs> I won't do it anymore. <laughs> Um, so, so, uh, I just was never my thing that whole, that whole era because it was inauthentic. That's why I brought it up. Cause you brought mm. up that term. Yeah. Very fair. I think, uh, you know, I, 
I, that was right around like there were a lot of bands coming out of that like you mentioned a lot i'm like i like one song by them even now like all time low is like dear maria pop and champagne like i'm good with and then it's like i'm i'm personally not a big fan of all time low so i'm struggling to find other ones and then now they have their like big resurgence like they're probably the biggest they've ever been in their career now and it's like this yeah. is wild that you know the stuff will will come back around people are now trying to say like technically broken side and millionaires were ahead of their time because now we're doing a lot of stuff that is like that and i think there's a lot of that like cyclical nature but i also think at the time like we were saying the scene just wasn't it wasn't ready to integrate everything together it was still like there is this and there is this and there is right authentic and there's inauthentic and i think uh yeah I, I definitely see what you're saying like at the time i was i remember people were making a lot of fun of broken side and like there was a an article by every time i dies singer keith buckley where he's like i was found watching this and somebody was like oh i didn't know you like this band and he's like am i hate watching right now like i'm hate watching this <laughs> band and they are like assuming that i like this band and he like he kind of like analyzed himself and he's like why am i hate watching this why am i I'm, I'm trying to give credit to it in a way, but I'm also like trying to hate on it by giving it credit. And mm. I think like a lot has come out of that and we can understand like we like what we like and we don't like what we don't like and it doesn't resonate with us. But the music scene has never been more like integrated with itself and like more and more people are taking from other people and communities are growing larger and larger. And it's 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 kind of that different feeling now than it was at the time. Uh, then that that separation is not as much there as pop punk and emo came together and then everything else came together. And now a day to remember is doing country and it all is, <laughs> it all is coming back around. That's really, yeah, it's really funny. I think that a lot of those bands though, in that neon punk era, like the broken side world, and I really can't even name one outside of broken side to be honest, but they also, got, <laughs> that's fair. They also kind of like, uh, how do I say they kind of, uh, got in trouble a lot for mm -hmm. for harassment and sexual things and and you know that's yep. another thing actually that i just did a podcast um where we talked about the masculinity of pop punk and that's something mm -hmm. i really don't back you know back in the day i remember like being young and like thinking it was okay to use certain terminology to describe you know females or you know this or that and you know i think that that whole world where like pop punk like became this whole thing where you write songs about how girls are awful and they should die because they made broke my heart. It's like that whole world to me, looking back is a huge shameful part of pop punk. And for a lot of bands, mm -hmm. but a lot of bands that I grew up loving, I think that that's something that, that, you know, I look back on and I cringe, you know, in many, there's things that I probably said when I was 17 or 16 that I cringe at now at 30, where mm -hmm. I, I can't even, you know, I can't, I can't understand it. And I don't want to, I don't want to ever, go backwards and i just feel like that neon scene was kind of riding the wave of that um even you mm -hmm. see shit like with jesse lacy from brand new and and mm -hmm. you know all, all of these other bands from even back in the day like there wasn't even a platform then for for people to even say anything that had happened like how many how much shit actually happened that didn't we don't even know about um and i do i do you know i don't you know not to bring up it's very controversial i don't mean to you know bring it up but it's something that reminds <laughs> no, me fine. of the ne of the neon punk era uh, mm -hmm. In particular, it reminds me because I remember Broken Side were like notorious for, for for shit like that. Then uh, what was it like Front Porch Step or something like that? Some guy. Yeah. Was, I remember we were on Warp Tour the year that Kevin let him come back to play a couple shows. I mean, that there were like there there was like protests and like all sorts of shit. I mean, I, you know, I don't believe in canceling everybody, but I think that there is a level of right and wrong where 
you know, there's some things that are unforgivable and some things that are, but I, that whole world to me was something that I still kind of feel kind of icky about, like about pop punk. You're writing about a a significant, significant other for breaking your heart and not just saying it, but like telling them they should drink poison and do like just crazy shit that ended up coming from that. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's still a lot of like discussions nowadays where people look back and they're like analyzing all of it, too. And like you said, there's a lot of podcasts out there that talk about it. And there's some bands, I think, nowadays that still kind of do that, because usually what I've noticed is that they're younger and they're like just getting into it. And they're like, oh, this is like the formulaic, you know, equation you're supposed to go with to make like a successful pop punk song. But nowadays it's a little bit more open and you're talking about, you know, different aspects of things and you're not, you know, going in on it. But when it comes to, you know, kind of saying these like really terrible, crazy things, you know, I I think it was unfortunately like just a sign of the times. Like you can't one. Yeah, you can't cancel everybody. Cancel culture and accountability culture two some completely different things that get like melted together so often. I think that as long as like bands kind of look back and they say, hey, what I did wasn't great and I'm not like that yep. anymore because I know that there's even like people on socials who are like I can't believe people like Fall Out Boy's first album or like Fall Out Boy in general because all these songs that they got popular off of were of like you know hoping people their ex-girlfriends would die and all this stuff like I couldn't even I'm like first of all cal- calm down <laughs> like let's <laughs> let's back it up here a little bit um, but I, I definitely understand that this perspective because, you know, it's seeing it kind of evolve and change and also have like the good and bad sides of it. It's something that still kind of needs to be vetted more and then also just talked about in general. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think that's well said. I, I, and, and I mean, I look back on it and, and I didn't really I don't want to say that I was naive. I, I don't know if I fully understood what was happening when I was 16 you know, mm-hmm. or 15. And like, I don't know that I definitely would never in a million years write the way that I, that, you know, when I was 15 or 16 would write songs or, or whatever, but just something I have to catch myself sometimes because like, I am a huge proponent of the nostalgic drive through eras, pop punk, and not every band did this. I mean, writing a song about a heartbreak is literally the age old topic of every song in the history of music. So to say mm-hmm. that to go from heartbreak to like shaming people, I mean, there's a big, there's a huge continuum. I think that it can fall under, um, and I think that it's okay to fall on certain parts of the continuum. But when you start getting into that far end spectrum of like, you know, I mean, and like I love "Take Us to Your Grave" by Fall Out Boy. It's maybe one of my favorite records of all time. And there's some suspect lyrics on there, but you know, I try to take it with a grain of salt, and that it's metaphorical. Even Sylvia Plath was metaphorical. You know, even Thoreau was metaphorical. Um, mm-hmm. Even Plato and Aristotle were metaphorical. Um, you know, artists are metaphorical. you got to be careful though particularly in 2021 you just have to be careful that you're not either intentionally or unintentionally even sometimes unintentionalness is is also canceled you know but if if someone's a bit naive to the situation i think that it's our jobs as musicians and people in in the know to kind of educate to some degree i agree i like that yeah we are I mean, obviously, we know that it's very male centric uh, scene and it was back in the day. And, you know, probably a lot of Warped Tours where there were only like one female artist playing or something like that. And it's like, yeah, I'm 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 happy that things are changing now. And I think we need to give it space to to actually progress through and change. And uh, uh, I don't know, I guess, yeah, it's it's patience. It's like, hey, 
we're we're aware of it more people are going into the scene now more people are in uh control of things that can change it and can give those kinds of uh those kinds of artists those kinds of people more of a more of a platform and remove the people from the platform that like are abusing the platform i guess right agreed agreed totally um i got i got a bunch of emails a, a few years ago about four chord um you know i try every year i put you know it, it sucks because the, the 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 landscape of the scene is still so male-centric um and it makes it very hard when you're trying to find a headliner or a band that that are gonna you know one you're not gonna lose your ass in terms of financially and second of all all while meeting my socio-political beliefs which are very in tune you know my mother burned bras in the 70s you know my sister mm -hmm. my sister is a college professor in new york city that that is, you know, a, a, a feminist that I fully, fully back. And, you know, I've learned a lot from them. It's, it's my personal beliefs and my business beliefs need to correspond in order for me to be satisfied. But I found a very, I found it very hard to find bands year after year at four core to, to represent my sociopolitical beliefs. Um, there still is only a finite amount of female fronted bands that I think, you know, that you can, that you can, pay up for and still not, you know, still not lose, you know, a bunch of money on. And, and I'm making a point to do that. You know, these upcoming years, I'm making a huge point to do that. I put offering for Paramore for this year, to be honest with you. Hmm. Um, I broke NDAs, I think there, but I, uh, <laughs> I, I put offer for Paramore. I put offers for Paris in the past. I think that there has to be, I mean, even beyond male, female it needs to be, you know, LGBTQ, you know, more open to that kind of world. Um, mm. I try to put my money where my mouth is. It's hard at times, particularly when a lot of money is involved. But, you know, I think we can all do better, including myself. To throw out some plugs, let us know where everybody can find you, listen to the new record, uh, if they need can support Four Chord Music Festival, all that good stuff. Uh, so why don't you tell us cool. where you are on the internet? Awesome, cool. First of all, thank you guys very much. I really, really enjoy talking to you guys you guys were great you know uh great questions informed scene veterans i mean i that's that always goes a long way um eternal boys the band name bad days are over is out now anywhere you listen to music everything you need to know is at eternalboymusic.com uh four core music festival is a festival that i run who knows what will happen with this year with four core music festival you can support by getting a ticket and holding on to it no matter what happens here this year um but Again, thank you guys very much for, for having me on here. Upstanding people of the scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am. Thank uh, you. I, it's the first time I've been complimented for having uh, old age and experience and being <laughs> like, <laughs> being like, oh, good. Uh, hey, you're, you're, you know, you were there. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's tiring <laughs> now. Right. Um, and also, thank you for, uh, for dealing, for being patient with all the yes, tech we issues really we've had today. I know it's. It. Uh, no problem. No problem at all. Yeah. It's just one of those things of doing it in, in this time where you're like, uh, it, the benefit is we get to actually talk to people who aren't in Chicago. Like, otherwise we would have had, Hey, can you drive out to Chicago and like sit in a, sit in a little <laughs> studio with us? And like, that'd be fun. Right. And you'd be like, nah, I, can we just do a video yeah. call? <laughs> so we get to talk to you because of this and you know, it, it, for better or worse, at least we got to have you on. This was a lot of fun. Amen. Uh, your band is great. Yeah. The music is great. I was, I literally messaged Lizzie right before we got on. I'm like, dude, this vocalist is killing it right now though. <laughs> like the live nice. show. And like, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that like there was no auto tuner at it. Like, like any of that before I'm like, no, he's, he's 
this this singer of this pop punk band this is not something i say often because a lot of it's very nasally <laughs> and i'm like you know no his voice is good the singing is wow. good is on point the songs are good i'm like okay yeah i'm i'm stoked for this conversation well hey when four chord happens you both got to come out i'll take care of you you'll get the royal treatment Just come hang awesome. we'll be there thank and thank you, you yeah. for not putting it on riot fest weekend yes yeah, so we can make it. uh well, yeah, everybody, if you're listening to this, go check it out. Go uh, go listen to the record. Go run those numbers up. Just put it on the while you're doing whatever on repeat. Millions of streams overnight, please. Uh, let's get it going. And uh, yeah, Rishi, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you guys very much. Of course. Thanks, dude. Thank you for checking out this episode of the Emo Social Club podcast. Of course, if you liked it, leave us a review. Tell us how you thought about it. We would love to hear from you on your opinions about this episode. We will be back uh, this Thursday at noon with another live recording. Uh, and we will have new episodes for you throughout the week. Uh, this week, we got another one for you on Thursday and we got another one next Monday for you. So make sure that you are following us on your favorite podcasting app in order to be notified when those new episodes drop. We know you like them. We know you like it. We know you like it. You like you to just- hear more people. You want to hear it. You want to hear the cool guests we talk to. You want to hang out with your favorites, Brian and Lizzie, right here. Your besties. <laughs> we will see you soon. From all of us here at the Emo Social Club podcast, I'm Brian. And I'm Lizzie. Goodbye. Catch you soon. Keep it real. And Mark Hoppus, give us the internet back, please. Sir, please. We're begging. I'm putting this in the end. <laughs> Better not. <laughs> no context. Shade. Just bleep it. They're going to kick me off a warp tour. <laughs>